This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Witness Docs from Stitcher. In 2015, Terrell Musser had been back in Shore Creek for less than a year. This was before the DOJ case, back when FLDS discrimination against ex-believers was rampant. Terrell was especially angry about the local police, who were still under church control. So he decided to organize a protest against police discrimination. Terrell wanted to get an official permit, so he went to Colorado City Town Hall. At the time, he was dealing with a lot of pain from his chronic illness. So all the way over there, I'm not doing well already, and so I'm just shaking. I'm like, I got to do this, you know. And So we get over there, and my wife helps me out of the car, puts me in my wheelchair, and she wheeled me up the door, and it was locked. Terrell looked in through the window. You could see an empty waiting room. Nobody had come out. It was so weird and quiet. And I mean, there's 10 cars in the parking lot. You know there's people in there, but you don't see anybody. Terrell rang the buzzer next to the door. The receptionist answered. And I asked, can I come in? I says, no, we just don't let anybody into the city offices. I says, well, this is a city office. It's a public building. She says, well, we still can refuse to not let anybody in here that we don't want in here. So if you do want to do this, you're going to have to call the city manager. He called the city manager and asked for the permit. The city manager not only denied the request, he also told Terrell that if he did hold a protest in front of the police station, everyone would be arrested. Around the same time, Terrell and a few others decided to start attending city council meetings. They wanted to take notes and see what was happening. You'd have five people like me that had moved home walk in, and the city council would immediately break for an executive session. Oh, we got a break for an executive session, and then they'd go back and they'd talk about the rest of their business, and then they'd come back out and do very little in front of the public. And it was happening on both sides. Colorado City and Hildale. One person told us he spoke up during the public comment portion of a meeting, like the part specifically created for community input. And he said a city councilor responded, who the hell does he think he is to come in here and tell us anything? This was the kind of discrimination against non-FLDS that led to the DOJ case in the first place. But just because the towns were found guilty of discrimination 
didn't mean things changed overnight. The guilty verdict was just the first step. Think about it this way. In most trials, there's a verdict and a sentence. In a case like this, instead of a sentence, there's what's called an injunctive order. And in April 2017, more than a year after the verdict, Hilldale and Colorado City were sent a 54-page injunctive order that detailed exactly what needed to change. There were a number of things that the city had to do to um, address their their misconduct. So they had, you know, new training, new policies, everything that can really make sure that discrimination doesn't continue. This is Jessica Clark, one of the attorneys for the Department of Justice. The police department had to completely revise their policies. They had to undergo new training on civil rights laws. It required training for the police officers in constitutional provisions and fair housing. And this is Jeff Matura, the attorney who defended Colorado City. It also imposed a police consultant for the chief of police to consult with. They had to hire two new officers um, that, you know, the hiring could not be based on religion. So that was on the police side. The city side, they also had to adopt new policies and procedures. It required the appointment of a court monitor, a third party who would oversee the functions of the town to make sure it was being done fairly and consistent with constitutional rights. In other words, the towns couldn't just decide to accept or reject the court orders because the court was going to keep a close eye on everything the towns did. You know, sometimes an injunction can just be, you need to comply with the law now. Um, And that's not what this was at all. This was very strong relief that required ongoing monitoring by the court. The monitor and the consultant are required to provide periodic reports to the federal government so the government knows what's going on. Where are we falling short? Where are we fulfilling our obligations? Bringing Short Creek in line with the law was a huge undertaking, and it came down to lots of little details. The court actually ordered the cities to make websites and post notices about upcoming meetings. It even required that each town post a statement on its new website saying that it was found guilty of religious discrimination and linking to the 54-page injunction. This wasn't just some slap on the wrist. It was a roadmap for change. And over the next 10 years, the towns would be on the hook to pay for all of this. It amounted to hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that was on top of the nearly one and a half million dollars they had to pay out to individuals. But the injunctive order didn't just change policies. It shifted the whole culture. Fundamentalist Mormons had founded Shore Creek to keep outsiders out and to govern themselves. And now, outsiders were coming in and watching over nearly everything the towns did. Not surprisingly, this did not go over well with a lot of FLDS. But a lot of ex-believers saw it as an opportunity. You know, if the Department of Justice is going to come in here and make it so that the city can't discriminate against us, then we have some hope. This is Shirley Draper again. Shirley lives in St. George, but she's still very involved in Shore Creek through her work on the UEP board. Shirley was happy when the DOJ verdict came down, but she knew that any real change depended on more than a court ruling. All these people from outside wanted to come in and fix this situation. It couldn't be done from the outside. It had to be done from the inside. 
And so a group of us got together and we had to buck up and get ready. This was the time for the change. We let this happen. So if we don't like it, we have to stand up and change the narrative. It's exciting to be in one place where people are determined to create the change that they want to see and that they want to live in. For the first time ever, ex-believers in Short Creek had a real shot at making change. We had a city election coming up. That, that became the avenue in which we could really begin to change it. I'm Sarah Ventry. I'm Ash Sanders. This is Unfinished Short Creek. Episode 9, Grassroots in the Desert. After Terrell Musser was locked out of Colorado City Town Hall, he didn't give up. Since he couldn't get a public permit, he organized his protest on private property, right across from the police department. He also helped organize the 4th of July celebrations in 2015, And in spring 2016, he started community cleanup days at Cottonwood Park. It wasn't easy, though. He told us it took a lot of effort to get people organized, and he felt like his work was being attacked on all sides. There were days when he felt like giving up. But then the DOJ's decision and injunctive order came down, and that changed things. Nobody's ever really asked the people what they've ever wanted out here. Everybody's just always assumed and... The judge told us what you guys are going to do, but what do we want? That's something surely he really helped the people out here when we did the DLJs. What do we want? I'm looking around going, did you guys know that you're the majority in Hilldale? Did you know you don't have to put up with this town council that doesn't represent you in any way? And people didn't believe me. Like I had many of the citizens tell me, oh, no, you're up in the night. You have no idea. And I said, "Um, no, I do. I happen to know who lives in what houses. (laughs) I'm on the board. And so that's what inspired me to organize a community alliance. Shirley and Terrell got together with a few other community members and started a grassroots coalition called the Short Creek Community Alliance, or SCCA. I was invited and I said, what is it? Donia Jessup stayed loyal to the FLDS church much longer than Shirley or Terrell did. She didn't leave until years after Warren Jeffs was in prison. But she moved back to the community right around the time of the DOJ verdict. And right as the community alliance was getting started. And they're like, it's a grassroots coalition. And I'm like, well, what is that? So I went and looked it up to find out what a grassroots coalition was. And I, I honestly had no idea. What made you go to that first meeting? You don't even know what a grassroots coalition is. Like, what right. I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. Because I came home to help repair, and I, I had to dive in somewhere. And there really was not any group started out here. And so my sister-in-law, Shirley, also my best friend, she called me and said, hey, come to this meeting. It was all over Facebook. Come to this meeting. We're, we want to rebuild our community. The first few SCCA meetings were small. Yeah, there was only like three of us. <laughs> three Who people. was it? Lawrence, Shirley, myself, and Terrell Musser. 
Do you remember what they talked about, what you all talked about at that first meeting? Lots of education is what it was. And it was kind of scary and a little bit of, and do I want to be a part of this? I don't know. Because <laughs> it was a lot of work. Lots of work. And when I left, we were all under the rule of, of a leader. And so when we come back, I kept wondering where the leader was. Like, who do we look to? Not as a prophet, but who's the boss? Because here, there's always been a boss. And when we set up that grassroots coalition, there wasn't a boss. There was everybody's ideas. And it was a little bit unorganized, but we got organized. But the people that showed up, they're all powerhouses. So that was a lot of fun, just getting in the same room with people of the like mind. Donia and the other members of the SCCA were doing a lot of things for the first time. Remember, everything in Shore Creek had always been run by the church, including elections. So there's never been a non-FLDS person on either town councils, Colorado City or Hildale. They've always been an appointed position. And when I say appointed, I mean, we were told, vote for Philip Barlow. And we voted for Philip Barlow. Um, we were told on the other side, vote for Joseph Allred, and we vote for Joseph Allred. So basically, whoever the church appointed to take that position, the people would just vote that person in. Did people run opposed to each other? No, there was never any opposition. Um, when the person was appointed to take that seat, there was nobody that would oppose. But in November 2017, all that could change. Because Hildale, on the Utah side, was having an election. There were four positions up for grabs, three for city council and one for mayor. If you're like me, you might be thinking, Shirley should run. After all, she helped organize the SCCA and convinced a lot of ex-believers in Shore Creek to fight for democracy. But Shirley lives in St. George, 45 minutes away from Shore Creek, so she couldn't run. But she did give the Community Alliance a pep talk. I told them, I don't live here. This isn't my bucket. You guys are going to pick people who represent you. You guys are the ones that have to step up and say, I will run. Because it's going to be a difficult, difficult journey. You need to have this conversation. The SCCA had the chance to end the church's political power in Hilldale and bring real democracy to Short Creek for the first time. And to do that, they had to be strategic. Because one of the things that we did know is that if we split the vote, that we were not going to win. We knew we all had to vote for the same four people if, we, if this was going to work. What Shirley is saying is that if non-believers wanted any chance of being represented in town, they had to vote as a block. So there was one point where somebody there said to me, so are you just going to replace Uncle Fred and tell us all who to vote for? And I said, I am absolutely not going to do that. You guys are going to have a mock election. You guys are going to select four candidates and everybody agrees that there, we're not going to have a bunch of other candidates register, and only those four candidates register, then you're going to have success. So the SCCA started planning something like an internal primary. It wasn't an official election, but it was a strategy to pick four candidates who would get the SCCA's endorsement, three for city council and one for mayor. We were all told, anybody wants to throw their hat in the ring, now's the time to throw your hat in the ring. 
And they're like, who's willing to run against the current administration and, and turn this government around? I was so filled with fire. I was just like, I know I'm the one to do that. Donia had spent years inside the church following her leaders. Now that she was out, she wanted to be a leader. And I knew that my love of this place and the people was what was driving me. Because I would stand up for them. No matter who they were, what they believed, I would stand up for them. The SCCA held their unofficial primary in the Water Canyon High School gym. The bleachers were full. People made short speeches. And when the time came, everyone wrote their top choices on little slips of paper. When Elisa Wall tallied up the votes, Danya had the most. She was now the first and only non-FLDS candidate for mayor in Short Creek's history. And it was a big, big deal that the majority chose a female candidate to be the mayoral candidate. Because there were some hardliners in that town that did not appreciate it. People who no longer follow Warren Jeffs but are extremely patriarchal. They did not feel like that they should have a petticoat government, and I'm quoting them directly. This kind of sexism is part of FLDS doctrine and culture. Women can't hold leadership positions, and their access to heaven is dependent on their husband. Dania had left the church three years before the election, but she hadn't totally broken free from the things she'd been taught her whole life. I was going through the hoodoos with, what right do I have as a woman to be doing this job? All right, going through the hoodoos was a new expression for us, too. Dania's mother-in-law, Gramsci, she made it up. It means really thinking through something. I was going through the hoodoos with, what right do I have as a woman to be doing this job? And where's the old men that are supposed to be doing this job? Just all kinds of insecurities that I was going through. And the people who are currently serving on the town council are our family members. So it's not like we're going up against strangers. We're going up against our uncles, our brothers, people that are highly respected, people who I respect. One of the people was my Sunday school teacher. And I had a lot of respect for him. I still do. I still call him Uncle Carlos. But I had some real... You know those, those exercises they tell you, go look in the mirror and talk to yourself? That is so hard to do. But I did it. And I'm like, you know what? You're going to show up as Donia, no matter where you are, because Donia is enough. And be vulnerable. It's okay to be vulnerable. I am Donia. Sometimes I'm a hick from the sticks, and sometimes I'm super classy. But I'm always Donia, no matter where I'm at. <laughs> but to actually win the election... Dania and the other candidates were going to need the support of people who weren't in the gym that night. They were going to have to win the popular vote. That fight begins after the break. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. 
Learn more at funturns50.com. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. After I had left, I was heavily depressed. When Elisa Wall left Shore Creek in 2004 and settled in Salt Lake City, she wanted to ignore her past. You know, I didn't tell people where I was from. I, I wanted to pretend that all of these horrible things that have happened in my life, they, they didn't happen. That was someone else's life. And like Donia Jessup, Elisa dealt with a lot of self-doubt and struggled to feel that her life was worthwhile. Do you think that that's a common thing for people who grew up here and left or didn't leave? Um, do, you, do you think that that core feeling of mattering is something that people struggle with? Definitely. Especially being as this process where you have to deconstruct your very psyche and pull out all of the, the stuff that was pounded into us and brainwashed into us. It's really easy to lose yourself in that. And any sense that you matter or that any of your actions or anything you do matter because you're just going to hell anyway. Last time when I spoke to you, you told me a really lovely story about a woman at your work. Mm -hmm. Would you tell that story? Yes. Um, In this process of getting to know this, this woman at my work and and letting her into who I was and my background... There was this this time where I had said, you know, I don't I don't really matter anyway. And she stopped and really took the time to communicate to me that you matter. Was that the first time someone had told you that? That was the first time that someone had taken that time to establish that they believed I mattered. And I didn't matter because I was married to anyone or I was good or evil, I mattered as a person. And that was a game changer for me. Elisa Wall moved back to Shore Creek in the fall of 2016 with this new belief that she might matter after all. So many people coming back have a lot of pain surrounding Warren. And coming back to this town, transforming it, And making it the world that we want to see it is that first step in realizing he didn't win. Because we are taking control of our own life and our own community. So Elisa got involved with the SCCA to fight for democracy. And she also started her own organization called RISE. Her mission was to get out the vote. Were there people who didn't believe that their vote would matter or that this could be done? Absolutely. That was the number one hurdle that we had to get over. I can't tell you how many times people, oh, I don't register a vote. My voice doesn't matter. My vote doesn't matter. And, and almost having to shake them almost and, and help them realize that it did matter. And we had a slogan that was, your voice, your vote, our city. And just over and over, your voice, your vote, our city. 
Elisa went door to door with other volunteers telling people about the upcoming city council election and explaining what a city council even was. What were some reactions? <laughs> I think one of the most was, you're the voter lady. <laughs> <laughs> I know you. Or they would be like, I promise someday I will register to vote. Also, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of resistance because it was a lot of change all at once, especially to people that were still going through the process of sorting out all of the old dogma and all the old beliefs. But predominantly, it was good. People were happy to see people putting effort into the town. I had people for the first time in their whole life, 75-year-olds, vote for the first time. Terrell Musser helped folks in town get registered, too. First time they registered to vote, first time they were involved in politics, first time anything. Because they were told their whole life that their vote is crap and that the government's out to get them and that the Fed, you know, and it's just, no, we won't get involved. We'll just pray it. We'll pray for it to go away. We'll pray for your vote. That's what you're dealing with. You're like, come on, guys. Prayers take you so far, okay? Uh, God helps those that help themselves, so... Terrell says he wanted people to know that if they stayed home on election day, they were essentially casting a vote for the status quo. If people don't get out and vote and get involved, the FLDS stay in power, but they don't want to get involved. So they're voting whether they like it or not. You know, when you sit at home, you're voting that, yes, we still want this. You literally want the FLDS to stay in. You don't know it, but that's what you did. In 2017, Hildale had about 450 registered voters. And even though the SCCA was working hard to get out the vote, there was one more thing they needed to do to have the best possible chance of winning. They needed to make sure that every vote would be legal. And the concern was is that all the people that still claimed to live in Hildale were going to vote in the election in their desperate attempt to maintain control over the city. Remember, by this point in Short Creek, a lot of people had left or been kicked out of the church, and a whole lot of others had been shuffled to different houses by church leaders. So the Alliance was worried that people who no longer lived in town would vote anyway. In other words, they were worried about voter fraud. One person we talked to said he found that several strangers were registered at his address. They had fraudulently voted in the last election. It's impossible to know whether anyone purposely lied about their address to vote. But members of the SCCA did find a significant number of people they suspected were registered at the wrong address. We ended up challenging 102 voter registrations from the local area. Now, 100 people might not sound like a lot, but it was somewhere around 20% of all the registered voters in Hildale. And most of them were likely FLDS. The county accepted nearly all of the challenges, which meant that unless those voters could prove they still lived in town, they wouldn't be able to vote in the election. In just a few months, the SCCA had gone from a ragtag community alliance to a well-oiled organization combing voter rolls and organizing the first real election in Shore Creek's history. While all this was happening, Donia Jessup was printing campaign signs and talking to the media. She was full swing into running for mayor. You know, I think I'd given two speeches before the community selection, and then after that it was, I had to get really clear. This is a girl who uh, didn't even know what a grassroots coalition was, and, and uh, I had never said if I was a Democrat or a Republican. 
I ran independent because that's what I was told would be a good idea, <laughs> you know? And I had to do a lot of research and figure out, they're, they're like, <laughs> they said, what's your platform? And I'm like, what means platform? And they're like, well, what do you believe in? And I'm like, well, I believe in people. What do you mean, what do I believe in? And they're like, oh, come on, three things. What's your top three things? So that when people say, well, what do you stand for? I want to know who I'm voting in. Then you can just rattle off your three things. And I'm like, geez, I don't know. I better figure out what I, what I really, you know, can wrap myself around. What did you decide you stood for? Um, integrity, fiscal responsibility, um, relationships were my top three. Integrity, fiscal responsibility, relationships. It doesn't seem like a very controversial platform. But here's the thing. At that moment in Short Creek, it was. The whole community was bitterly divided over religion. So to Dania, it was important to emphasize bringing people together. But not everyone was on board. I parked across the street from a home in this community, and FLDS lived in the home across the street. And the kids started to yell at me and told me I was the devil and I was going to hell. And then one of them yelled, I want to shoot you so you can go to hell faster than you're already going. Yeah, there was, there was quite a bit of backlash. I started to put my signs out, and signs were torn down, and there was bitch written on it and go to hell. And my kids had a really hard time with it. They, they're like, Mom, are you going to be safe? Are you going to be okay? My house was broken into twice. Um, the police were called both times. Um, I have no idea why the house was broken into. Nothing was taken, but there were people in in the middle of the night dressed in black. It's November 7th, 2017, election night. It's freezing outside, but I'm inside Dania's very crowded house with dozens of friends and family members. Journalists like me have come from Phoenix and Salt Lake and even out of state, and we're all waiting for the results to drop. We heard that last minute you drove someone. Well, I actually drove two people. Yeah, my brother and my brother-in-law. They thought they couldn't vote because they hadn't gotten registered because they were out of town. So, yeah, we were just talking, and they're like, we're sure sorry, we wish we could have voted. I'm like, what do you mean you didn't vote? Like, what if we lost by two because of you? (laughs) Donia knew FLDS would vote as a unified block for the FLDS incumbent, Philip Barlow. So every vote mattered. And in Utah, you can renew your voter registration until the polls close. So Dania told her family members to jump in the car. So when I left to take them up to go register to vote, I had a parking place. When I come back, I no longer had a parking place anywhere. At your own house. (laughs) At my own house. (laughs) But I love that everybody showed up. The living room is decorated with red, white, and blue balloons, and there are bottles of sparkling wine. In the kitchen is a huge spread. Veggie trays, dips, plates full of cookies. 
and more booze. Terrell Musser is sitting with a laptop hooked up to the big screen television, constantly hitting refresh. He's ready to announce the results as soon as they come in. Mom! Donnie and Jessica, get in here. I'll announce the mayorship of Philip C. Bartle, 71, Donnie and Jessup, 96. <laughs> When the results were certified, Dania won by 48 votes. Oh, and all three city council candidates chosen by the SCCA also won. So I want to thank everybody for their support, and I am not going to ball. I am overwhelmed. I am just like... We've been fighting this battle for a year, and now we know the real work begins. So we just got to stick to it and continue to be, rebuild this community. I'm so grateful for your support. A few minutes after her speech, Dania and I found a quiet spot to catch up. Dania, you just won. You are the mayor-elect of Hilldale. You're the first woman that will ever hold that seat. You're the first non-FLDS person to ever hold that seat. How are you feeling right now? Oh, that seems so... When you say it like that, it's like, wow. It just kind of solidifies everything. I am feeling really excited and hopeful. And that was the whole thing I wanted to bring back was hope. And I feel it. Everybody feels it. Um, you heard the room. You heard the support. It's, I just feel really good. What are you looking forward to most about taking your seat? Oh, getting started. Getting things cleaned up. Getting um, the water looked into. Roads looked into. Fiber optics. Without the fiber optics, we don't have the big businesses. So we're looking at economics. We're looking at commerce. There's just so many possibilities now. Um, what do you think this moment? So we should say you won, but also... At first, I was really surprised to hear Dania giving such mundane examples after such a monumental victory. Like, she just made history, and she's talking about the fiber optics? But then I started to think about these things. Paving the roads meant making the community more inviting, more accessible. Wanting to improve commerce meant bringing in jobs and even tourists. And fiber optics meant faster internet and better access to information. So yeah, Dania's to-do list seems like a bunch of small improvements. But when you look at them together, these things could open Short Creek up and connect it to the world. And Dania and the other three candidates from the SCCA would be working on these things together. So uh, just to be clear, there are other uh, city councilors who were not up for election this time, right? Right. So um, if those FLDS people stay on, that will be great. If they move on and choose not to, that will be great. We're going to handle whatever comes along. What do you plan to do between now and January? Prepare. Classes. (laughs) I want to take classes. Um, I need to learn how to be mayor. You know, I have the heart. I have the people's support. I have the desire. Now I need the learning behind it. So that's what I'm going to be doing. 
I know it's a little early. Just a year or two ago, the idea of an XFLDS woman winning the mayoral seat in Hilldale was unthinkable. But Short Creek had changed a lot in that time. I've had men, XFLDS men, in their 60s and 70s come to me and tell me, I voted for you. I had this one gentleman say, don't tell anybody, but I voted for you. (laughs) So I'm like, thank you. (laughs) Donia said that after she won, she actually got an email from Philip Barlow, the FLDS mayor she unseated. He sent me an email of the first woman mayor from Kanab. Kanab, Utah is about 40 miles east of Hilldale. A woman named Mary Chamberlain was elected mayor of Kanab in 1911. And it was before women even got the vote. Philip Barlow sent you this? Philip Barlow sent me the story, and he sent, congratulations, you'll do a good job. Very, very graceful. Philip has done nothing but treat me good. What did it feel like to get that email from It me? felt so great. It felt like a vote of confidence. And it was probably from him more like, yay, I get to go now. <laughs> because he was under a lot of pressure. Having to be mayor in a community that you had to be obedient to Warren, and you still have to abide by the law because you're mayor, that is being caught between a rock and a hard place. I've really, really felt for that previous town council because I don't serve two masters. And they did. They did serve two masters. The former mayor's email was gracious, but he wasn't the only member of the FLDS who worked in government. On her first day in office in January of 2018, Dania was walking into a city hall staffed by people who believed they had a religious obligation not to speak to her. Over the coming weeks, several FLDS employees resigned. Members of the utility board, the city manager, administrative staff, they all quit their jobs. Most of the resignation letters are pretty generic, but one in particular didn't hold anything back. It's from the chairman of the utility board, Jacob N. Jessup. He's not in Danya's immediate family. Remember, Jessup is a pretty common name. He writes, To the honorable mayors of Colorado City and Hilldale, please accept my resignation from the utility board as of January 31st, 2018. It has come to a point where I have to choose between my religion and participation in city government and I choose my religion. My religion teaches me that I should not follow a woman for a leader in a public or family capacity. And then he quotes a Brigham Young sermon, which says that following a woman means that he would be in danger of losing his priesthood. He goes on to say, My religion also teaches me to leave apostates alone severely and not have anything to do with them. Thanks for the opportunity to serve and for your understanding. Sincerely yours, Jacob N. Jessup. After all of this, the DOJ case and the election and the resignations, one thing was clear. Shore Creek would never be the same again. In just a few years, Hilldale had gone from being a theocracy run by a man who claimed to speak for God to a democracy run by a woman determined to speak for the people. 
it seemed like Short Creek was headed in a new direction. But just one year later, on the Arizona side in Colorado City, there was another election, and things didn't shake out the same way. None of the ex-believers running won any of the open seats. So now, nearly all of the council members and Mayor Joseph Allred are still FLDS. We've been talking all season about how divided this community is. And after the election, these divides became clearer than ever. But despite all the differences between the two towns, they're still dependent on each other. They're twin cities, which means that, like it or not, they still have to work together. The elections are over, but Short Creek's future is unfinished. Next time, in our last episode of the season, we find out if the community can heal from its painful past. Father in heaven, we gather today to celebrate Independence Day. There came a point where he just kind of broke down, and I had the opportunity to hug him. Welcome to America. It is no longer the Wild Wild West. Unfinished Short Creek is a co-production of Witness Docs and Critical Frequency. Our team includes Amy Westervelt, John Delore, Abigail Keel, Sarah Ventry, Peter Clowney, and me, Ash Sanders. Chris Bannon is Stitcher's chief content officer. Our fact checker on this episode is Amy Westervelt. Our production assistant in Short Creek is Araya Hammond. Our original score was composed and performed by Allison Leighton Brown with Ollie Samland on pedal steel and Dan Bradigan on trumpet. Thanks to NPR member station KJZZ. This episode includes tape from interviews I did while working there in 2016 and 2017. And of course, we are so grateful to all the people of Short Creek who shared their stories with us. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 